Hello, everybody, and welcome to Season 8 of Crypto Sapiens. I'm your host, Rachel, today, and I'm here with the CEO of Cryptulu, Mike Gordon. Um, so yeah, we'll start the episode off today with a quick affirmation. The subject of today is going to be blockchain gaming, which is something I've wanted to cover for a while. So today's affirmation is, I embrace the power of blockchain gaming, unlocking new realms of fun, incentives, ownership, and possibilities. And without further ado, I'm going to pass the mic over to our guest, Mike, the mic to Mike, <laughs> and we'll get started with an introduction. Yeah, I'm Mike. I'm the CEO of Cryptulu. Uh, we are a game development team that has been active in Web3 uh, since the uh, winter of 2021. Uh, we had our first game, Dimension X, launch on the Flow blockchain last September. So we're getting close to a year of having a live blockchain game uh, with a pretty active and big community. Uh, and then in a few weeks, we're going to have an Ethereum version of that game launching too. So pretty good timing to be on. Wow, that's that's really exciting. So um, something I like to start off with in uh, questions for guests is what your why is. So what gets you out of bed in the morning? What's get, what gets you excited about your work? What is your why? Yeah, that's, a, that's actually a great question. Um, so the, the primary why is just a practical one, which is that I have a family, right? <laughs> and uh, it's important to provide for them. I think the more kind of high level thought about why and specifically as it comes to games um, is it's an ability to take creativity and make a living out of it, which I think is hard to do, right? I think anybody who's in a creative field and is able to turn it into a career for themselves, I give them a huge amount of credit. Um, yeah, every day is a big challenge. Um, specifically as the CEO of the company, you know, today, a good example of what happened today is I woke up, checked what's going on in Discord, chatted with the community. <laughs> I had an hour and a half long call with my uh, CTO on a bunch of engineering challenges that we're working through. I reviewed a game design document that we're tinkering around as a team on. Um, and then we had a big uh, team meeting to talk about, you know, what our next objectives and goals are and how we improve. Uh, and then I'm doing this today, right? Um, and then it'll all wrap up with with um, more work after this gets done. But it's, I think my why is having the ability to do a whole bunch of different roles on any given day. And I really like it. Wow, that's amazing. And I, I think it's just such a blessing if you get to harness your creativity and make a career out of that, doing something you love. Um, like, yeah. that's just such a blessing. And you talked about the family piece. Like, I just want to say, and I didn't think of this till now, but family is really uh, rooted in my love for gaming. Like, I grew up in a, you know, household of all boys. I'm the only girl. I have four brothers. So gaming culture was really ingrained in our um, family dynamic. Um, so, yeah, I think that's really cool that you're doing this for your family, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, I've been working from home since, I guess, before it was popular, like back in 2016. <laughs> you were doing it before it was cool. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I made a decision because I was working. Um, there's a, a game company called Congregate. They're an awesome company. They're doing some Web3 stuff now. And I was uh, working on their mobile publishing business. And my wife was pregnant. And I was like, hey, mm -hmm. um, if I don't start a business now, I may never start it because you just become more risk averse uh, mm -hmm. as you get older, but also with a family. Yeah, and she was, you know, in 2016, she was like, "Yeah, go for it," and uh, never looked back. 
Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, so I, I do have a couple questions for you here. So uh, tell us about Cryptulu and, and Dimension X. And I'm also curious what inspired you to create this. And it sounds like you have a bit of background with gaming. So uh, yeah, tell us about Cryptulu and Dimension X. Yeah. Um, so our team is composed of mobile gaming veterans. I've been around in free-to-play games since the days of MySpace, which is a million years ago. Um, there used That's to be where we all became on... coders. <laughs> exactly. There used to be games on MySpace. People forget about it, but they existed, uh, and I worked on them. Uh, I don't know why so Farmville doing... just came to mind, but that's Facebook. <laughs> it was that. It was that era and that style of game. Um, so I was working at a company called Playdom at the time, um, and it was just social games, right? Like uh, farming games. That I worked on a. Um, a sorority game called Sorority Life about Russian wow. sororities. <laughs> nice. Uh, so yeah, like I've been around for a long time. Uh, I was doing mobile free-to-play games, um, and I had a bunch of one or two-person shops that I'd been working with to publish their games and, and create uh, new mobile games. Um, and I had an opportunity to kind of cherry pick some of the best people that I worked with on the mobile side and said, "Hey, we should think about giving Web three a shot." Um, at first, I was really skeptical about it, though, to be mm-hmm. fully honest. Um, I had a buddy who reached out, and he's like, hey, I'm getting into Web3 Gaming. You should really look into it. This, you're, We're answering, like, new questions, and you're solving new problems. And I was like, okay, I don't, like, why, right? Because everyone mm-hmm. asks the same question for game devs, like, why does this matter? Why are you doing it? So I asked him that question, and he's like, well, What's the game that you played most in your entire life? It's like, well, World of Warcraft. Uh, mm. I played World of Warcraft forever. It's like an old person's <laughs> bowling league now. Like I've been playing with the same people forever. We get together on Saturday night. Nobody's as good as they were, but it's still fun, right? Mm-hmm. It's like one of those deals. It's more like a social more club. like therapy. <laughs> yeah, it's like shuffleboard for old people. Yeah. Um, so he asked a really good follow-up question. He said, what do you own in World of Warcraft? He's like, well, I own my characters, right? I've been playing with them for years, um, and they've got all kinds of achievements and items. He's like, no, you don't own those characters. You rent them. And whenever mm. you stop paying rent, those characters and everything you've ever done in the game goes away. Wow. They may, they may save it as a file, right? But it's only as good as long as Blizzard is supporting World of Warcraft. And when mm. they stop, it's gone. And that was the first time anybody had explained to me, like, oh, here is like a, a use case for NFTs in games that checked out and makes complete sense to me. Because prior to that point, you know, it was like artificial scarcity, like, isn't this great from, from like a game economy standpoint? I was like, yeah, sort of. Um, and the reality was like, I hadn't heard a really... Um, solid use case for why NFTs and games made sense. And that that was the first and probably the best one. It's still true today, right? Mm. The, the analogy I usually use, because I got a lot of criticism from people in the industry when I made the move to Web3 Gaming. It's like, ah, it's a scam. It's terrible. I was like, yeah, like free-to-play games were when we first started. That is, is that what Very it feels true. like? And yeah, like uh, games and apps. Oh my God, just all all the ads and extraction-based methods they use. <laughs> Try and get more money out of people. Yeah. That's right. I mean, you know, I'm not a stranger to this criticism. I went out to dinner with my wife when I was making free-to-play games early on. And there were two really nice ladies that were flight attendants sitting beside us. 
Mm. And they said, oh, what do you do for a living? I was like, I make video games. And they're like, oh, you're like ruining the children of America. And I was like, every day. Wow. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, I'm not a stranger to it, but the reality is like, people forget free to play games right now right um you can play a free to play game you can spend hundreds of thousands of dollars in a free to play game mm. when you're done you have the memories and the experience of playing the game and you have nothing else literally mm. nothing else free to play games with nfts you can you can do all the same stuff and you walk away with the memories and the experiences and whatever friendships you made in the game but you also have all of your digital ownership assets. Yeah, It matters, right? That model, free-to-play games with NFTs, is pound-for-pound pound superior. It's better for the consumer. It's better for the developers. It aligns interests in really powerful and important ways. So, like, I'll continue to yell that from the rooftops. It's a better model, and it's not close. I love that. Yes, we, we're definitely going to make some some short uh, short videos from this, and I just love your breakdown of that. Um, hey, thanks. And, I want to dive a little bit deeper, like for those just learning about blockchain gaming today, for those just listening who have no idea what it is, can you give us like an overview or or a synopsis of what blockchain gaming is? Yeah. Um, In its simplest form, blockchain gaming is a video game like any other video game, right? So if you've played any video game ever, usually there's like characters or items, something that you quote unquote own in the game, right? And as your character progresses, you get more of these things or your character gets stronger. One of the key differences and a important difference with blockchain gaming is that the things that you do in the game are recorded on a digital ledger of the blockchain. Uh, and you have the ability to then do whatever you want with those assets after the fact. Early on in blockchain gaming, and I didn't believe this then, and I still don't believe it. Um, a lot of developers are like, oh, we're going into this future where everything's going to be interoperable, right? Like, mm-hmm. you're going to be able to take your assets from your game and play them in this other game, and like, it'll live on forever. I was like, no, no, that's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen, not because it's a bad idea, because it's a great idea. Um, it won't happen because companies are extremely protective over intellectual property that they built, and rightfully so. And if you allow, like, basically full interoperability, it means you've now got this crazy world where there's unlimited numbers of NFTs that can play with and engage with your game. It's a design mm-hmm. problem that's like, yeah, I, I, I don't know how to solve it. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's not a good use case to solve it, right? Like, people, I think one of the things that you see often in blockchains uh, in Web3 in general and blockchains and gaming for blockchains is that they don't they don't take that necessary step of thinking of like, oh, these are businesses that are working in this space and there needs to be like sufficient motivation for them to do something other Absolutely. than just like, oh, it's good for the blockchain or it's good for Web3. It's like, no, those aren't good answers for businesses. They're not yep. good answers for me. <laughs> And we're seeing that now in the bear market, you know, like you can't, you can't run off vibes. <laughs> you need uh, to have some sort of sustainability metrics, you know, and, and uh, re- revenue generation for sure. I don't know if you ever bought groceries with vibes, but I certainly I <laughs> never have. I don't think so. No. <laughs> no, you can try. I may try it next time. We'll see how it goes. 
Awesome. So, okay. So I have a couple more questions for you. Um, and, yeah. and you talked a little bit about blockchain gaming and what it is. Um, curious if you have any examples. Like I know most people listening, if you're not familiar with blockchain games, you'll at least know about Axie Infinity. Um, are there any other big successful blockchain games that you can uh, reference here? Like any DeFi protocol games? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. Um, so we played a lot of Axie as a team when we first got started. I think everybody getting in the space plays a lot of Axie. Um, what are the challenges with naming? And this is an opportunity. Uh, but what are the challenges with naming like quote unquote good Web3 games? Is there not that many? It's just, <laughs> it's just fact of the matter. There's a great one um, that's still running called Etherworks. It was Etherworks. the first kind of like fully on-chain. I think it was a free drop when it came out. It was super community-driven. Um, and that was a real eye-opener for me because I was like, oh, no, if the people are going to move the space forward, in my opinion, are teams that look like Etherworks or teams that look like ours, which are like scrappy, pushing the boundary of what you can do in Web3. Mm -hmm. You're not doing pre-sales worth like $40 million, right? Right. Then the, expect the expectations get crazy. There are, there are DeFi Web3 projects that have sold one asset, one game asset for the equivalent of a million dollars. One million dollars for Jeez. a game piece. How could you ever... And whatever their expectations are in their mind, right? <laughs> you can just imagine. Like, what... What do you think a million dollar asset should do in the game? Everything. Yeah, that's that's insane. I, I've seen some games too that implemented like real estate, like in-game real estate, where you're like basically paying the same amount as you would for a house in the real world. And it's like, I, I, I don't understand it. Like why someone would do that. I mean, if that's that's just like fuck you money, I guess you have. Yeah, <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah. yeah but that was, I think that was the problem for me in the bull market is that nothing, nothing quite made sense, right? Yeah. We were just starting, we were getting our feet wet in web three and I would see things that happen, right? Like what a lot you of said, rugs didn't... too, a lot of games yeah, that would like... promise, promise you the world and then just, you know, go to crap basically. <laughs> yeah. It's, there are a lot of that, like there are a lot of instances of, of that. I think people for the first time realize how hard it is to make games. Like there's two buckets, right? It's, can you make a game? That's question number one, very hard. Then can you make a good game? And mm. I think even good teams, the best hit rate I've seen is 30% of the time you'll make something that people like. Mm. And that's, I mean, you're talking like, it took us nine months to make Dimension X, start to finish, which is mm. very fast. Yeah, I was going to say, and, wow, yeah, that's impressive. And thanks. We did a we did a totally different game for the first three months, and then threw it out because it was not working. Um, and then we made what Dimension X was. So it's good that you acknowledge that, and you had the willingness to pivot and not get like emotionally attached to the first thing or the the baby, you know. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we talk about that as a team often. Like, you can't be precious with your ideas. Like, it's, from a gaming company perspective, we're very flat organizationally. So every decision that gets made at our company is made collectively as a group. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm the CEO, but that just means I ask unpleasant questions, but I'm not, like, coming down over the top. Because Good leadership. The best, yeah, it's... I think it's necessary leadership when you're making something that's a creative expression of a group of people hmm. that requires multidisciplinary um, skills to deliver, right? Art, business, 
engineering, design, they all have to kind of cohesively come together with community and community building. Um, but back to your original question or the original point, like during the bull market when things didn't make sense, I thought, wow, this must be something totally different in Web3. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. Like, I don't understand why that piece of real estate sold for a million dollars. And I, I actually like the bear market because it clarified things. It was like, oh, no, you're not crazy. The things that didn't make sense didn't make sense. They're not around anymore or no one's using them anymore or playing them. Um, so I, I think, you know, I asked you like about what are some good blockchain gaming projects or what are successful ones? I think a better question to ask just to have more user awareness and education. What are things to look out for with bad projects? What should users and players avoid? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, and I think that's a really good one. Um, so I, when my community talks to me about games and other teams, because often they'll talk about new games, they're like, oh, this this really promising team that's coming up. And I'm like, well, who are they? And like, what do you mean? They're all anonymous. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. Yep, I have seen that before. And, you know, I I respect anonymity for individuals in the space if you have a valid reason. But when I'm playing a game or when I'm investing my own personal assets into something, I want to see a face personally. That puts me more at ease knowing, okay, you have nothing to hide. You're willing to show up and express like, this is me. Here's my role on the team. This is what I'm doing. It just puts me more at ease for some reason, just knowing that. Um, because I, I don't know, that's just a trademark sign of a rug, you know, like if everyone's not willing to show their face, why is that? You know? Yeah, it's, I, I totally agree with you on that. And I also think in particular with games, you need to know that they've made games before. Mm. Like, if why is that important? Made, if you know, so what's the best way to put this? Inside of everybody, there's like 10 horrible games that are just waiting to be made. <laughs> and you have to make those 10 games before you make anything that's remotely good. I love that. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. like, my, I've worked on a lot of games. I've made bad games before, personally. And at the time, if you would ask me in the moment, I'd be like, this game's going to be great. It's going to absolutely It's a rite of passage. You have to make that's the right. bad games before getting to your, your hit. Basically, <laughs> I know that's right. I had an old boss who used to talk to me about uh, game development, and he's like, "Well, if you're going to stick it out, because most people flare out of games within the first two years." Mm. Um, and I've been in it, I don't know, since 2008, a lot of time. Wow. Um, and so he was like, "The only way that you're going to stick around, and the people that typically stick around in games are people who like failure and can learn from it, mm. right?" He's like, so if you can if you can fail and not internalize it that you personally have failed, right? But you can see the reasons why it failed, you can see them with clarity, and you can get better slightly every time, right? Like very slight improvements over time, eventually you'll make something that you're proud of. So mm-hmm. when teams are like, oh, it's our first game, it's gonna be amazing. It's the next world of Warcraft on blockchain. I was like, Yeah. World of Warcraft took the best team in the history of game development 10 years and almost a billion dollars to make the first version of World of Warcraft, which wasn't even that good. Mm. Right? That's the best team. And they had to get acquired 
to get more money to continue to build it and scale up the company. Like that's what was required there. And that's the greatest game development team in the history of the world. Hmm. So like, and yeah, blockchain, you know, this hasn't been around that long, you know, and at least people coming in and building these kinds of projects in the space, you know, um, for them to have that level of, of skill and, and almost failure, you know, to get to, to get to a hit, to get to a game that people love to play. And even with yeah. all the, you know, the best team, all the resources, it still sounds like it's, it's incredibly difficult and it takes time yeah. and it takes failure. That's right. There's no guarantees on it. Um, and I, you know, I, that's, that's one. So like knowing the team is a really important component, seeing what they've worked on in the past is a really important component. And then you need people who are going to be accountable. Um, so for instance, like last week we have new, uh, new rarity rolling out on the Ethereum version of the game. So heroes are quantified differently, same kinds of heroes, but we have a different rarity scale. And we showed that to the team last Friday. We were really proud of it. It's very complicated. It took a lot of work to do. Mm. And they were just like, I hate this for the following reasons. And it was just a bloodbath, right? It was 24 hours of getting dumped on in Discord by people like, wow. you did this wrong, this piece was wrong, this piece was terrible. And then my creative director, Darren, and I and our CTO, Mark, sat down, we reviewed it, we fixed it based on their feedback, we showed them the fixed version yesterday, and they're like, that's great. Awesome! That's amazing! Yeah. Wow! It is. You, you, you used... Community feedback yeah. to improve. That's, yeah. that's amazing. Like, I, I just love to hear that. I love that you are a project. You're listening to what your community wants. You're listening to what your players want to see. And you deliver. That's really um, just commendable. I mean, practically speaking, if you ran like a bricks and mortar business, right? And you had all of your customers in a room and all of your customers told you, hey, Rachel, this is what we want from the store. And then he just ignored them. You're what not you gonna, doing? yeah. <laughs> store is not gonna be yeah. open very long if you're not selling them what they want. It's the wow. best resource in web three and it's not close. Like community building a good one is very difficult, right? Mm -hmm. And I I don't I think any team another trope that I think is important for good teams or teams where the leadership is active in discord and talking to the community and they're not dismissive. They're not overly sensitive to negative feedback. Mm. They're also not pushovers, right? Mm -hmm. We're not, you know, There's people coming to our dis yeah. yeah. People come into our discord and they're like, Hey, um, what'd you make last year before taxes? <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> what? Right. Yeah. No, like your the kind of questions that you don't have to answer that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, but you know, being there and being active and, and cultivating that community and showing people what's acceptable, right? Like, Oh, I'm going to treat you the way you should treat me. And you're going to mm -hmm. treat other people in this discord the way Respect. you want to be treated. Yeah. Simple. So yeah, awesome. look for people that do that. Well, I, I would love to get involved in the Discord and, and just learn. I feel like I'm, you know, just talking to you today, learning so much more about blockchain gaming. My extent of experience, I, I just played a DeFi game. I actually, funny, or fun story, I should say. I went to East Denver for the first time, and, and that's when I really got involved in Web3 and, and got a career. Um, 
And I actually caught COVID at a dead mouse party. It was like this massive party at East Denver. And I was stuck in a hotel room in Denver for two weeks. One of the worst places to have COVID, by the way. Um, so in this hotel room for two weeks, I decided to learn about DeFi gaming. I found this game that I really loved. I played it for two weeks. Um, and it was really great while it lasted. But again, during the bear market, like a lot of projects ended up falling off and it's not something that lasted. And this is a very popular game. A lot of people were playing. I I won't, I won't name the game, but it was very popular at the time. It was something I thought would continue and would last. And there's so many projects like that that just not not the same today, you know? I think, look, the temptation, it, it's, it's fairly straightforward, right? One of the things that you see with most Web3 projects, they do a release, they get traction, and then they're just like supply, right? They're like, mm -hmm. oh, like we can... We're going to push like enormous amounts of supply. And the secret in Web3, well, there's two points, right? Um, number one is it's impossible to measure demand. You're seeing it this week in real time. People are like, oh, we're going to do a derivative mint. Here's what it's going to cost. But we think the community is going to be into it. And these are some of the most sophisticated blue chip projects in all of Web3. And even they can't accurately measure demand from all of Web3 or even from their their audience. I talk to my Firebase all the time. I'm like, hey, if I do this thing, are you guys going to buy it? Like, mm. And I'm like, what what price? Like, this is what it does. This is how it's going to work. We just did a comic release and we designed it with a community and it had success because I just talked to them and said, what do you want it to do? This is what I think it should do, but we can talk about it. This is the this is the utility. This is the price point. This is how the mechanics are going to work. Do you have any feedback? And we did that for a few weeks till we found what the NFT comic was going to be, what it was going to do, and it did exceptionally well because I talked to the community about it. It sounds like you really value um, transparency, appropriate transparency, and communication with the community. I I really appreciate that about you and, and the project. Um, and I'm excited to join the Discord and, and just kind of, you know, participate in that discussion and, and see what happens. Um, it's a good, it's a good group. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. I definitely, um, actually for this podcast and this YouTube video, if you don't mind, maybe we could put the link in the description for anyone else that wants to join the Discord too. Um, yeah, yeah just get, get more people to participate in the discussion. That'd be awesome. Um, yeah, uh, quickly circling back yeah. to your previous point. Um, I make this point a lot in our Discord. People, this is another kind of failure point in a lot of Web3 games is they're overly focused on secondary markets, right? Like mm -hmm. floors, supply, right? And everyone asks us about that in Discord. And they're like, well, why would oversupply be bad? And I'm like, well, that's nothing to do with the secondary market. What it actually has to do with in-game in rarity. If you're like the hardest things to get in-game, stop being rare in-game, right? They're no longer desirable for the player. Mm -hmm. What do you think happens to your player base? They stop playing your game. It's not worth playing anymore, right? So if you if you have a skill-based game and you're asking people to play incredibly skillfully, it's a very tough game. You need to think methodically about your next move and it's, it's very strategic. And then you're like, don't worry, the reward is something that you don't care about. Nobody's gonna do it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's, that's wow. I think that's a core failure in a lot of Web3 games. Yeah, make the incentives matter to the player, you know, or, or you're just going to lose their interest. There's no there's no incentive or reward worth playing for, you know? That's right. 
Awesome. So, okay. I want to get into any mechanisms in the game that are geared towards like ownership or even play to earn incentives. Um, But before we get into that, um, I I just want to ask a little bit about your inspiration. We know you have a background creating games. Um, What traditional games like uh, other than World of Warcraft have you played that have inspired you? Yeah. I mean, I played a lot of games that are very familiar to people of my era. I'm going to be 40 this year. Um, so okay. I grew up on like NES, SNES. So like as a big guy, Nintendo guy. So Metroid, Zelda. Um, I love Zelda. Ocarina. That's, yeah, that's Ocarina. like my, one of my favorite games. Uh, Majora's Mask. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, linked to the past. So the that was a big game for me when I was a kid, um, which was on SNES. And then Ocarina of Time was on Nintendo 64, and that was like mm-hmm. the big game at the time. So those and uh, a lot of Pokemon too, obviously, nice. like a big Pokemon fan. And then uh, in terms of the games that I play a lot of, I really like card games too. So I play a lot of Magic the Gathering Arena. Um, mm-hmm. There's a roguelike um, called Hearth, or, uh, Slay the Spire, which is arguably like the best game ever. Uh, for that genre of game, it's okay. really good. I will warn you, I have like a thousand hours in it. You will put a thousand oh. hours into it. <laughs> wow. It's very good. Awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, I, I grew up on N64, Zelda, Pokemon. I don't know if you ever played Kingdom Hearts. I'm a huge Kingdom Hearts fan. Um, PS2, Ratchet and Clank, all those games really uh, are, are just close to my heart. You know, like I said, I played them with my family. So I'm like, yeah, it's it's, it's time to do an episode on, on gaming, you know. <laughs> um, okay. Awesome. So I, I really want to talk about the significance now. We, we've talked about traditional games. Now getting into blockchain gaming, uh, what's the significance of ownership and incentives for gamers? And with Cryptulu, um, are there any mechanisms of the game geared towards ownership or play-to-earn incentives? Yeah. Um, so I think one of the things that World of Warcraft did probably better than any game in the history of games is that um, it made you think about opportunity costs when you were doing something else, right? Anytime you were doing something other than play World of Warcraft, it just meant you weren't that making FOMO. progress. In that FOMO. Creating right. that FOMO. <laughs> yeah. And it was, you felt it keenly, right? There was always something to do or something that you should be doing in World of Warcraft. And I was like, wow. Like, <laughs> how, do you, how do you create that dynamic? Um, and the first time that we were playing and I was like, oh, you can mint like an NFT in one of these games and then like, just by playing it, you mint an NFT and then you could sell it or build your build your uh, team. That's super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I think that you see in Web3 games, which we avoided, and I think it turned out to be the right play, is like really complicated play and earn loops, right? Mm-hmm. So they're like, you know, there are games who are like, all right, first you need to get a moon coin, right? Yeah. And then you're like, okay. And then you take that, but you got to bury that moon coin in the front yard on a Wednesday. Yeah, right? yeah, and, yeah. And my my little brother, like this... he's he's been a gamer for so many years. He actually has a YouTube channel and just plays game. He he had some really popular videos for Fallout New Vegas. Um, he's been very skeptical about getting into blockchain gaming. He says he's he's kind of skeptical because he doesn't want the monetization piece to um basically overshadow the fun of gaming, the joy of gaming, right? And have it be all yeah. about the money, money, money and earning, and that's the game. 
He said he's actually avoiding it because he doesn't want to get too deep in the weeds with that. And he wants to play yeah. a game because it's fun, you know? That's That was a big purpose of why we built Dimension X. Um, so we our feeling on it is like, look, um, there are two things that we need to do at the same time. One, the game needs to be fun if you have no NFTs. So it's free to play and you can play it and it's fun. Awesome. We have an active free-to-play community and they're like, we're never going to buy any NFTs. I'm like, great. Play the game <laughs> and enjoy it. Um, more inclusive set, that way yeah and it's also like it, it's a it gives you a pulse whether or not the game is good without any of the financial aspects attached mm -hmm. to it or potential financial aspects. so that's number one number two is you have to have skill be the determining factor for outcomes most web3 games are like how much money did you spend you win isn't that fun mm. and the answer is no it's not fun it's never been fun, right? Spending more money to be a winner without playing something or using skill in any way, it's, it's just boring. Yeah, to be brutally honest, like during the bull run, the DeFi game I was playing was really fun in the bull run. But as soon as we got into the bear market, it you know, there's less incentive. And there really isn't a game. If you're not earning, it's like, what's... There wasn't really a point outside of that, you know, besides, you know, putting your characters in, in like certain quests and doing liquidity pools. And like, as soon as there wasn't any earning mechanisms, there wasn't really a game, to be honest. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. So like, you have to have a real game underneath it. Most games in Web3 right now are just elaborate web pages where you stake NFTs for gains over time. That's it. And mm. it's boring. That's not fun. You're not you're not making difficult decisions. You're not making skillful decisions. There's no way to play it better or worse. If there is, it's very vanilla, right? It's like, mm -hmm. oh, if you stake it on place A on a Tuesday, you earn one percent more than on place B on a Wednesday. It's like, oh my God, this is so boring. Yeah, it's it should just be easier to digest. Just you know. Just fun to play. It shouldn't be overly complicated. Like when you That's pick right. up a controller and you go to play like Zelda or, you know, Ocarina of Time or any of these games, like you don't want like a super, like all these hoops to jump through just to turn on the console and play, you know? That's like, right. <laughs> and important, and importantly, every success that you have in that game is tied to your skill and things you did, right? You didn't find one sword that just annihilated everything in the game. And every failure, importantly, every failure you had is also tied to your skill. Hmm. Those things matter, right? So skill-based outcomes, if that's not the starting point for the game, nothing else matters. It does, right. It's not going to work as a DeFi property. It's not going to work as a game. It's meaningless. It'll the, the only reason people are there for what you were talking about, which is like liquidity farming or whatever. Exactly. Um, so yeah, for us, our play and earn loop is very straightforward. Uh, every quest is a PVP quest where you're competing against everybody else. Hmm. You put down a bunch of characters who deal damage per second. You're trying to deal as much damage per second as possible uh, in the remaining time on the quest. And then you get a in-game currency uh, based on where you're at in the leaderboard. What's it you called? Take that in it's called Thule. Thule, okay. You can then take that in-game currency and mint an NFT off of it. 
Before we wrap up here, I, I do have a question, and, and this pertains more to blockchain gaming um, as a whole. Um, what bottlenecks have you personally experienced working on this project, um, and, and what have you seen in the space of, as a whole? Um, to see the space progress, what, what are the challenges or bottlenecks to be faced? Yeah, in terms of the bottlenecks that we've faced, I think the obvious one is there's a technical one. Um, any game that you're building essentially has to have a fairly robust backend or be built entirely on chain, right? If you're built entirely on chain or have a robust backend, what it affords you to do is have security. And you need security if you're giving out like NFTs, right? People, especially if it's a competitive game, you, under no circumstances can you allow people to cheat uh, because the outcomes need to be determined by skill and anybody who's cheating, you got big problems on your hand. So you need either a robust backend through complicated server-side tech, or you need to build on the blockchain. If you build entirely on the blockchain, it's slow. Yeah. Blockchains are not like, it's just slow. Uh, and you're going to be waiting, depending on how much you build on the blockchain, you're going to be waiting very long times for blockchain approvals to be for every move for the character to be written on chain. Mm, yeah. If you have a complicated backend, you can do that. Um, but it's expensive and finding engineers who are capable of building, like basically taking like an entire game that lives on the client and then building that same game on a server and then matching the two up to make sure there's not cheating is complicated, but that's what yeah. we do. Wow. Well, it, it sounds like you have some real talent on the team if they're able to accomplish uh, such a feat. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so that's one. I think that's a that's a technical challenge. I think from a um, from a marketing standpoint, it's very challenging too. Like a lot of people are like, "Oh, games are going to onboard the next wave of Web two users," right? You hear that a lot, right? Like, "Oh, there's yeah. going to be like a Smash game." Yeah. Um, my experience there is it's not in the short term, right? We like we built on Flow. We're, we are building an Ethereum version of the game and having an Ethereum drop. The reason that we're doing that is because I know that there are gamers on the Ethereum blockchain today, right? You can't build a game with the hope that something may happen in the future or that you're going to be the one to catch lightning. Those aren't business plans. Mm -hmm. Like ca catching a bolt of lightning it's is not a business speculation, plan. basically. That's right. Um, so what you have to do is build where the users actually are. Mm -hmm. And I think getting users to care about, to play your game, to be involved in your community is a huge challenge on Web 2 and Web 3. So user discovery is a big challenge. And then finally, like, it's complicated uh, yeah. from a design standpoint. Like, building, you're building an in-game economy that needs to stand the test of time. I mean, you, you saw it with the game that you were referring to earlier in the podcast. Mm -hmm. Most Web3 games blow up. Mm -hmm. Like one, one month in, usually two months in, they all kind of collapse. Yeah. And that's because they haven't thought about what it's going to look like to run a virtual economy over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. uh, so those are some of the challenges, and they're pretty significant.
Yeah. Wow. I, I think you bring up a lot of good points. Sustainability is so important for these games, you know, um, and Mike has just provided so much good info on like what to look for in a good game and what to look out for in, in games that might be, you know, not around for very long. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I feel like we got through most of the questions. We talked about bottlenecks, what we need to do to progress the space as a whole and what challenges we need to overcome. Um, so I guess I'll close off with asking, um, are there any exciting initiatives coming up with your project that you'd like to share with the audience today? Yeah, we're currently working on an Ethereum version of the game and we're going to have a free Ethereum drop with the game too. And that, that allow list is up now on Alphabet and I can share those links with you afterwards. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a free mint raffle. So like you've got a shot of getting on a list to mint an NFT for the game on the Ethereum version of the game. Um, so that's the big one. We've been working extremely hard on it. We're very proud of how well it's come along and we're excited to launch. Awesome. Well, Mike, you've provided so much good information today. I have learned so much. Um, as someone who is not deep into the Web3 gaming world as you, um, you're just a wealth of knowledge. And I'm so excited to just learn more about Dimension X and watch the project grow. Um, I'll definitely be joining the Discord and sharing those links in the description. So for anyone listening today, if this game looks exciting to you or you want to learn more, I'll be sharing links to connect with Mike, join the Discord and play the game. Thanks. This was a blast, Rachel. Yeah, this is our, the first episode we've done, or at least that I've done on blockchain gaming. So thank you, Mike, for, for being our guest today. Okay, friends. So before we end today's episode, I just want to take a moment to thank projects like BanklessDAO and projects like Opolis for making season eight of Crypto Sapiens possible. So I just want to draw your attention to the links in our description. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll see the links there. Or if you're listening to our podcast, you'll also see the links in the description. The first is going to be bankless.community. And for those watching the video, I'll go ahead and share my screen. So you'll see here BanklessDAO's website. You'll also be able to learn more about how to join BanklessDAO, the different guilds, and different projects that we're working on at BanklessDAO. And there really is something for everyone here. I think it's an amazing starting point for those looking to get involved in Web3. If you're listening to this and want to learn more about how to get involved, BanklessDAO is an excellent starting point. There's guilds for just about any interest here. So I highly recommend going to bankless.community, joining the Discord, and saying hi and making some friends. To stay up to date on all things Crypto Sapiens, go to CryptoSapiens.xyz. Here, you'll see all of our podcast episodes uploaded with a brief description of what they are, and you can also download them from here. Now, last but not least, a lot of you know me actually from my work at Opolis. So Opolis, if you don't know, is a digital employment cooperative. We do things like offer employer services to those working in the Web3 space, working on DAOs, or running their own independent business. So we help issue W2s pay stubs, and get you things like national healthcare coverage. So if this is something you're interested in, click the link in the description. All proceeds for referrals go towards supporting Crypto Sapiens. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's episode of Crypto Sapiens. As always, stay tuned for next time, and thank you again for joining.